Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta here with you guys as always. And today it is time to recap the spring game for the Tar Heels, uh, if you would call it that. Uh, more of a spring scrimmage, I guess, is what we would go with. But uh, Josh Marlowe is back alongside of me here, and we're going to break that down for you guys. We're also going to tell you as we exit uh, spring camp, are things that we are confident in and the things that we are concerned about around this Tar Heel team as they now go into the summer, head for that fall camp of a season that's going to be incredibly important for the direction of the program and Mac Brown overall. And before we get out of here, I will tell you about the Tar Heels' latest commitment in the 2024 class, this time in the form of a three-star tight end. But as I mentioned 85-play scrimmage is how we are going to label it. wasn't exactly your typical spring game. Uh, this, you know, not shocking. We knew going in that Mac Brown uh, was going to do something similar to what he did last year. Now, last year was almost exclusively full contact in the scrimmage, uh, but they did do what they did on Saturday, which was basically bring the coverage in by going through some warm-ups, doing some position drills, uh, doing a seven-on-seven session. But when they broke off for the scrimmage this year, it was a little bit different. All 85 plays that were run were just thud, uh, which is basically a little bit different than, um, you know, it's not exactly seven-on-seven, but it's not full contact. So basically you're encouraged to kind of wrap up and kind of give a little chest bump to a guy And they'll blow the play dead. You saw with quarterbacks especially, they would blow it dead a lot quicker. Um, But this was basically something that Mac Brown said afterwards was really just to sort of preserve the guy's health. Uh, There was an injury. I know Carolina's first opponent that they will face, South Carolina, they lost an offensive lineman to injury in their game on Saturday. Uh, Carolina's already pretty banged up. I think really the the driving force behind this was the secondary where Carolina had a bunch of guys that were out there playing uh, with the yellow shirts that were limited. So I think that was part of the reason why they wanted to get those guys out there. Uh, but this has, you know, sparked a little bit of a conversation on social media. There are some people that are not exactly thrilled with the fact that they decided to go full thud. There's other people that completely understand it, think it's the way that spring games should be done moving forward. Um, you know, what say you on on that front? Because I got to be honest, I'm kind of in the camp of uh, the first group. I I really do think that Carolina needed a period. I get it. I know you want to have certain guys out there, guys like Will Hardy, Geo Biggers, uh, Armani Chapman, guys that were limited that were going to play big roles. 
But I feel like there should have been at least some portion of this that was full contact. You know, as a guy that has tried on many different dating apps to find a woman, it has become a thud. <sighs> I never encourage going full thud. Here's what I'll say. That, that, that does not sound even remotely correct. So <laughs> the, please never use that reference that joke ever again. Wow. <clears throat> you know, here's what I'll say. New, by the way, new platform that we're on, new hosting site. That's how you open right there. With a thud. That's, yeah, it's not great. But go on, go on. You know, here, here's what I'll say. Um, physicality, I, I, I think, is established as much as in spring ball as it is in fall camp. And, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. You know, when I, I look at, I look at this, 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 it's not even the roster, it's the program. Are they, are they mentally, Physically tough. And, I, and I, I mean, like- Mac Brown has brought that. That's one of the that's that's one of the themes around campus that people have called this team, this program, soft. Yeah, and so like I would have made my team, and look, I know you're beat up, and I get that. But what are you going to do when you get in October and you're beat up? You can't you can't go thudding. You know, when you're on the road in the ACC, you got well. They you did at tackle. times. They did at times last year, and it didn't really work out, right? So <laughs> I, I think that's my thing is that. You know, when you're when you're when the when the perception of your program is is soft, my team's going to hit as much as a as much as possible and try to establish a culture of physicality that you would hope would carry over into fall camp, and then of course would carry over into the season. Because I look at the roster, and I haven't been as high on it as you've been, and you follow the recruiting stuff a lot more than I do. There's enough talent here to win if they're physical enough up front on both sides of the ball. That's the reason they won nine games last year. If they were not just purely talented with how bad that defense was, they would not have won nine games. That That's really all you need to know right there. But you're right. I, I think that's the thing that's interesting is that, to me, I could have dealt with 50% of the scrimmage being full contact. Well, I mean also like you Like know, you you I get it. Again, you have guys that are very important to what you're like we know at this point. I to me like Will Hardy is a no-brainer. I think he has to be involved cuz I really liked what we saw from him last year. Mm-hmm. Geo Biggers is a guy that I would prefer to be more of a rotational guy. Yes, please. But here's the problem. The safety position who who else is really all that great? There's nobody, so like he's probably going to have to be a big part of what you do. So you want to get him out there. You want to get him reps. You want to get all the other, you know, Armani Chapman, who you're thinking might have to be a big part of what you do at corner, um, especially if there is an injury or two. I I get wanting to get those dudes out there, but my thing is, is like, look at last year. Weren't you in the spring? I mean, you were arguably more banged up last year in the spring at safety than you were this year. And now maybe corner, I wonder how much of a factor Elijah Huzzy not being able to play was. And I don't know what, I have no idea what he was out with. Him and Travis Shaw were guys that weren't expected to be out and just weren't dressed. They were there, but they just weren't dressed. So I, I don't I don't know. But to me, when you talk about the fact that physicality is something that your program has lacked, that people are, you know, spewing the narrative that you're a soft team and we're trying to sort of counter that this year with what we're doing on the field. Gene Chizik talked about it last year. Physicality is something that is crucial to this defense. It didn't show up last year. Now you need it to show up in year two. Gene has doubled down on that this year in his press conferences. And then to come out and only do thud, it's... It's interesting. Like, I'm not going to say, like, here's what, here's the thing. I don't think we should, like, destroy Mac Brown over this choice because ultimately you're, you're, you're staying healthy, which is definitely important with spring ball. <laughs> but it feels like you could have balanced this out a little bit more. Well, I mean, that's I, where I'm at. I also just look at it from, like, from the fan perspective. Let's just say, for instance, someone planned their whole day, they drove three, four hours to go watch that. This is why the spring needs to be overhauled. That's why I'm of the belief. Let them let them scrimmage or let or you know let's bring in a, a Charlotte, someone like that. Open the gate up or whatever because 
you're seeing coaches more and more devalue the actual spring game itself because, you know, they don't they don't want to risk so much stuff or whatever. So, I mean, that that's my thing. I mean, we still watched, we still tuned in and stuff like that. But how many people would have attended if they if they knew that's what they were going to go there and watch? I mean, yeah, I get it. Uh, not, here's, not, here's here's not many thing. people. People that go out to the spring game are probably, like, if you're driving, you're a diehard, right? Like, especially, especially Carolina's spring game because we've known in years past that the way that it's done is not traditional. Like, some of the other schools, like Texas – uh, so some of the teams in the SEC, they they've been doing a traditional spring game for years. It's the same thing. It's a literal game. It is the you know whatever the orange team versus the white team at Tennessee or what like that's that's what it's done in most places. Um, they've kept a lot of those traditional setups for most spring games. For Carolina, it's been all over the place. Yep. Remember with Larry, it was. Still sort of like a spring game, but you had the odd scoring that they would do. You got points if you put your uniform on, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was it was weird. You'd get like three points for a tackle for life. It made no sense. What wasn't one of the finals like eighty to seventy? Some it was just just that's odd. how they play in the Big Twelve. Just odd. Um, and then you know you get Mac Brown. It goes back to being somewhat traditional. But now we're we're back to where Mac Brown doesn't want to do the traditional spring game. It's kind of more of just a practice with a scrimmage at the end. It's it's kind of awkward. I, I you know I got to be honest with you. I, I because I personally I never saw anything wrong with the regular spring games. Me neither. I kind of liked them. I thought it was a good way to look at your team, and, and I get it. I used to play them on the video game. Yes. I did as well. That's where you would figure out the quarterback battles. That made no sense because you were going to throw for a ton of yards with both guys. Um, but I th- I think they probably the, – the other scrimmages that we don't see are probably more traditional scrimmages. There's more tackling, everything like that. But, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I would be interested. I did not. I did not go to the one on March 25th. I would be interested from people that attended both. Was the one on March 25th more like a traditional spring game than the one that we saw on Saturday? Because to me, you should then be advertising that scrimmage even more than you should be advertising. Like, advertise them both. Pump them both up as really big deals. And also, if you're going to do that, move that one back from 10 a.m. in the morning. Put it at like, even if you want to have it earlier in the afternoon, put it at like noon and make it an event where people can come out and you, you really, you basically have two spring games. Give, give people two shots to catch this team if they really want to. Yeah. I think that'd be, that, that'd be a cool way to do it. Um, But that's something that, you know, we'll have to talk about again next spring. Now, the actual scrimmage, Mac Brown seemed pretty pleased with what he saw and he, he said for both sides of the ball. Um, I think you know the thing is with defense, it, it on the defensive side of the ball, it's so hard to really pull conclusions from it. Um, I wrote that in the article afterwards when I was breaking it down. Um, it's just like that's it's the same thing when you go to seven on seven camps. The only guys that you can ever tell anything about really is defensive backs. That's it. And even them sometimes it's really hard to tell because you're not in traditional coverages, everything like that. That's kind of how it felt on Saturday. So for them, it's it's really hard to draw a ton of conclusions. Um, I will say, I thought, you know, when you looked at the offensive and defensive lines, I thought it was kind of even. I, th- I thought the offensive line at times looked really good. Um, I thought that first team offensive line for Carolina looked much better than the second unit. I I, I will tell you this. I don't think there is anybody on that second unit that will be joining the blue the, the mm-hmm. blue team anytime soon. I think they've got six. You've got Trevion Green, who is out hurt. He will eventually come back. That's probably your best shot at a seventh. You could see, and that's no offense to the guys that, that were out there. They had some good plays at times. But the problem is there is a significant drop-off between those two. And you can see, to me, more than any other year, 
where why there is separation and why Mac Brown says it's really hard for them to get more than six down there. Yeah, and I mean, I I, I think. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but I also don't know if it's a bad thing, right? Well, here's the thing. Three offensive line coaches within the last year, it's it's so tough. Guys, they, they can never really progress because they're having to learn a new system, everything all the time. I mean, new offense as well. I mean, it's certainly not encouraging I mean, because I, you would like – like, I got to be honest, the guy I was shocked – that wasn't more dominant. I thought Zach Rice would be more dominant at guard, and there, there, there were was one play in particular where he just got absolutely destroyed. He got blown up by Miles Murphy. Now yeah. Miles Murphy's a first teamer, but still, you would. I, I was hoping to see more progression from him. It, it definitely. I mean, it it concerned me a little bit. A lot of communication issues. I mean, I know when the great when the gray team got in, which is a lot of the guys that are walk ons and. Um, deeper bench guys, they had really bad issues with communication. But even with the second unit at times, you saw issues with communication, false starts, a lot of those types of issues. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I think that was expected. You've got a new offense. You've got a new offensive coordinator that is having to get used to calling plays again because he had his play calling duty stripped his last two stops. So, you know, I I think I think that was expected. I mean, let's be honest. We'd rather them see it do it in you know April as opposed to August when they of open course. up the year against South Carolina. So, the the thing about the offensive line is, you know, you you've there there there's still got to be depth there. So we even if there's a clear separation of the you know the the starters and the reserves, they still got to have depth because you know injuries and the like are going to happen throughout the year. So as long as they can develop that with a guy like Zach Rice and some other guys. I think we'll feel a lot more confident because uh, I, mean, I, I think we look at Randy Clements and say, in a lot of ways, he's as equal on par. If and some people think he's a better offensive line coach than what you had last year, mm-hmm. there is a chance for more in-season progression, which was really what hindered this offense in November of last year. Well, yeah, you got to give Randy Clements time. I mean, that that's the biggest thing is that he's he's having to sort of adjust these guys to. A new scheme. This is, you know, a scheme that's going to have to be much more run block oriented because you are wanting to lean on your run game a lot more. Um, the biggest concern with that second unit was they allowed a lot of pressure on Connor Harrell, and part of that was, you know, Connor Harrell held on to the football a lot longer than Drake Maywood. Um, but I thought the first offensive line unit, I thought they did a pretty good job in pass protection, um, and that that was. That was big. Now, the question is, what about the group on the other side? I've seen sort of mixed reviews from people on the defensive line. I know they dominated late in the game. I think, and and look, I, I'm, I'm going to put out an article um, later tonight that will sort of break down my, or at least it's me projecting what I would think the depth chart would look like that Mac Brown and his staff must I I would assume told the players today and that will eventually lead to probably some transfer portal decisions and whatnot but I, I think with with that group I mean they were they were solid but overall I I don't I just I it's hard to take a lot away from from what they did and I, I don't think like they they didn't dominate by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think the thing we're going to have to struggle with all year long is being able to um, critique them with an open mind because we're both out on Tim Cross. And believe it or not, when we evaluate what they do, the the fact that we thought he should have been let go will factor into that evaluation. Yep. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. It it makes it hard because we both just don't believe he's the right guy to get the best out of this group. And so Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not really holding that against the players. I just But I mean, it, it's it's going to factor into it Well, no. We're going to like we we thought, at, you know, we thought I mean, we said after the year ended. If any staff changes be made, that's, that's after what, the year ended. We were saying that in season. So you know, I mean, you know, and you're bringing back some guys that still have a lot we think to offer, but it's with the same position coach who hasn't gotten the most out of his unit, his unit 
since year one. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it's going to be really hard to buy in if they do play well. I think I think we got to be prepared for pretty much what we've seen the last couple years, where I think they'll be good in moments, maybe bunches even, but... I, I still don't look at that defensive line and say they're they're ready to impose their will on a on a on a opposition's uh, offensive line, and if that's the case, we're gonna see more of the same defense the last couple of years. Well, first of all, they can't get worse than last year. Let's just be honest. That's that's one of the worst defensive lines. We said ever. that though, like under Larry, and they found ways to get worse. Well, like, no, th- we're talking about a historically bad unit in terms of sack rate. Pressure percentage, even even run stuffing like this this defensive line group a year ago was. There's no other way to describe it. They were pathetic. There is just there is no way around what what they were a year ago. And so you got to hope that they learn from it. I will say this: the one thing to remember, and I mean this is across the board, but especially with some of the things that you're seeing defensively, you know, in terms of the scheme, some of the things that you're seeing offensively in terms of the routes and the concepts, it is the spring game. They're not going to pull everything out that they are going to do. There, There is going to be a lot more stuff that you're going to see utilized when this team takes the field for that first game against South Carolina in early September. The thing that I wonder, and I'm hoping that this was just them remaining vanilla. You did not see any stunts up front. Still, it's the same thing of just just off the ball, rush the passer, and win one-on-one battles. And we've heard Mac look. We've heard Mac Brown say that that that's something that Carolina has to do. That was one of the things he pounded home when Jay Bateman was here that they schemed a lot of pressure, but they couldn't win one-on-one, well, hopefully they are going to get back to scheming some pressure. And hopefully they are going to try to do some other things up front and get creative with how they are rushing the quarterback, run a couple of stunts. If you do stuff like that up front, it might allow you to be successful. Um, Look, there were some guys that stepped up and made some plays. There's no doubt about it. I mentioned Miles Murphy. He had a couple of run stuffs. I, I, I thought you know he did a solid job. Um, you know, off the edge, I thought most of those guys were relatively quiet, but I think part of that was that they were running the football a lot. They were getting the ball out pretty quickly with Drake May. I mean, he did hit a couple of deep shots down the field, but that's, you know, something else that we got to talk about here in just a second. Um, I just, to me, I, I think you're still wondering about the physicality overall of that unit. Because I think there were times where, once again, they got pushed around by an offensive line for Carolina that we still have questions about. So that's, you know, again, it's 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 a spring game. Wasn't even a full contact scrimmage. So I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. But I think you're right. You still have to temper your expectations. And I got to be honest, does anybody really have expectations for them? Because there wasn't a change in defensive line coach. I, I look. You brought in Ted uh, Ted Monachino, who I think is going to bring something to that room with the experience that he's had at the NFL level, at the college level. But I, I, I mean, I to me, I think everybody's kind of at the same point. It's prove it, prove it to me before I, I start hyping you up again. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's fair, you know, like... Oh, 100%. And I guess the expectation is is to not be as bad as you were a year ago. I mean, like, here's the thing. If if Carolina gets the same level of defensive line play it got last year... and uh, Tim Cross will not be here. Um, and Gene Chizik... I, I will guarantee you Gene Chizik won't be here either. I mean, like, that would just... Like at some point, there's got to be there's got to be a line drawn in the sand. You got to put your foot down and just say like, "Enough's enough. We're not going to accept this because this this isn't good enough." So hopefully, hopefully, you see more once we actually get to the season where 
they're scheming up stuff because I, I mean, I think Gene Chizik is a smart enough defensive mind to do that. He did it the first time he was here with lesser talent, so he he ha- he knows how to put guys in the right position. He knows how to scheme up the amount of pressures you got to get to win at the level we're trying to win at, and so. You know, while we come away uninspired from Saturday, hopefully, you know, they did enough stuff in in the practices we didn't see where they took a step forward as a unit. All right, the last thing, you know, looking on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I noticed it early in the game, especially I thought, you know, some of the depth guys going against some of the offensive depth guys looked a little bit better. I, I still thought there were questions about the defensive backs. They got beat a couple of times down the field. Um, I, I still, I mean, I'm still concerned about those guys. There's no doubt. I mean, I like the upside of Marcus Allen. I think Legend Cavazos can be a solid player. Uh, Elijah Huzzy wasn't out there. Um, but I think really where where a lot of it lies is, you know, we didn't see, we saw another day where the safeties weren't really that involved in the passing game, and it led to some plays down the field uh, for Carolina I, I think that's that's something that you, you have to be concerned about still on this defensive side of the football. Yeah, because, I mean, it's it's just something that's got to be – it's got to be cleaned up. I mean, I do think you gotta you got to be willing to look at the guys the, – the guy that they were going against in Drake May. He was going to make – he was going to make him look bad a time or two because that's how good he is. But it, I, the, the thing with them is that I, I like them at corner – I just don't know if I like them at safety, and I still have questions about DeAndre Boykins in the slot. Too. Yeah, I mean the I, amount of yards that he let up last year were—I mean, it, it just can't happen. Like if you struggle that much again, they've—they've—they've they've, they've been using Huzzy in the slot. You will have to find another guy that can help slow down slot receivers. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if he struggles, you just slot someone in there to see if he can do the job better than he can. So. That that's the weird thing is that for the most part I I'm comfortable I'm okay with what they got at corner I, I was big on Allen a year ago we like what we saw from Legend Cavazos down the stretch you're bringing in Huzzy a guy that's been raved about all spring but I've all I've said for I mean what feels like a decade now great defenses have dynamic playmakers at safety well, I'm not even looking for a dynamic I'm looking to I'm looking for above average to just really really solid. And we don't know if they have that. And if you're looking, you're looking for what they had in the first year, Miles Dorn, Miles Wolfel, those yeah. types of guys back there. You know, if it's and if, if they don't have that, I think you're going to see mistakes happen. Um, but hopefully, this this defensive backfield does a much better job at at forcing turnovers because I think if they can force turnovers, it makes it a lot easier to swallow giving up. 450 yards or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really give a dang about how many yards you give up. I give, I care about how many points you give up. The problem was, was you know, and I said this in October, you can only bend so much for you're going to break, and they broke because they couldn't, they weren't good enough themselves to manufacture turnovers and stops and all that other stuff. So it, it's it's going to be interesting. But also, I mean, you got to think we got another transfer portal cycle coming up, so they can. They can't address that position once we get once we get through that 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 next cycle of transfers. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll talk about it here in 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 a little bit. I mean, a little little bit of a surprise for you. Safeties is on my concerns list, um, but I I think really that they've they were put in a rough spot here in the spring with all the injuries that they had at the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, this is we had some stats that came out. There weren't many. That was the other thing that was really frustrating. There was there were no stats kept in this game, um, so you you really couldn't evaluate how many yards they let up, everything like that. Uh, Drake May ten of 13, 155 yards, two touchdowns. You didn't need stats to tell you that he played pretty well in this game. Um, again, it's going against guys that he has seen the entire spring, so sometimes you would expect a guy to be able to thrive, although some like to say that the defense has the advantage in the spring because they know what the offense is going to do. Well, he looked really good, uh, had you know really good touch on those deep passes, and I think really looked looked a lot like the guy that we saw for the first 10 games of last season. And it's extremely encouraging because this is in a new offense. 
You saw you know, them run the football a little bit more. Now, again, it's a spring game, so they didn't run him. So that there will be those concepts that will be in there as well. Uh, but I thought just the way that you know he looked out there, looked very natural, very comfortable, where towards the end of last season, you could see that the guy was feeling the pressure that was on him in those final few games of the season. And then I think the other thing that you had to be really encouraged by was the connection that he had with his two transfer receivers, who I thought were fantastic. Devontae Walker caught the long touchdown, uh, two catches, 45 yards uh, in the game. You had Nate McCollum, two catches, 50 yards, and also a touchdown. Touchdown that would not have counted, by the way, if they would have uh, had review in the game. But because it's a spring game, spring scrimmage, whatever you want to refer to it as, they, of course, did not have reviews, so uh, it did end up standing, but still a, a remarkable job by him to make the adjustment and catch the football. These guys have been raved about the entire spring, and uh, I, th- I thought they showed on Saturday why they've been raved about so much. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I said when we previewed the spring game that there was a reason they went and got two, two transfer wide receivers, and Maybe that told you uh, a thing indirectly or even maybe directly about what Mac Brown and that offensive staff thought about that position group, a group that I, I, I still like what it has to offer. And then both guys go out there and, and, and make plays. Uh, both of them catch touchdown passes, really just kind of justified why they went out and brought both of those guys in. And I was with you with Drake May. I mean, the 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 – the touchdown pass to McCollum was was not a catch. Like, if that would have been reviewed, that would have been overturned. The only thing that I would say that maybe Drake Drake just looked a little off maybe, and that's probably expected when you're in, learning. In the red zone. Yeah, I know, thought outside of the red oh, zone, he looked good. His was was beautiful. Yeah, he was fantastic, but he had three throws. He had one on, was it the second? I think it was the second drive where he overthrows Walker in the back of the end zone. Then right before he throws the one that stands as a touchdown to McCollum, he overthrows him as well. So that was an area late in the year where he struggled mm-hmm. a little bit. So, yeah, that 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 did concern me a little bit. Good call on that one. Yeah, just going to blame Chip Lindsey for that because Drake May gets the benefit of the doubt. So, you know, Drake, Drake looked like Drake, and he looked comfortable for the most part again. He looked confident. And the kid's never going to say outwardly he wasn't comfortable and confident the last four games of the year last year. Yep. At this, the, from the second half of Georgia Tech on, he was a different quarterback. And that was expected. Like, Well, he, when your offensive line is playing the way that it did, I mean, keep in mind, you're talking about a game against Georgia Tech where they allowed six sacks. How, how getting, confident is he going to be? You were also getting mauled by a team in New Balance uniforms. I mean, that's that's going to hurt anybody's yeah, confidence. Yeah, and then a team in Adidas uniforms. So, you, you know, I think that's the thing because you are such a Jersey snob, by the way. Oh, yes. Oh, it, my God. There is... There's, what what are what are you doing by the way? There was more, what was that? There's more pressure on him. Are you chewing gum? Yeah, there's that's more, professional. There's more pressure on him individually on a player that I can remember in in the history of this program. Well, because, I mean, what like, do you, you know, expect? You know, like the junior year for Sam, we looked at the guys that were coming back. We thought, you know, he wouldn't have to do it by himself. There was, We thought there was enough around him where he could do some stuff. When the team was supposed to be good under Butch, it was never going to be designed for one guy to have to carry you. If Drake May is average to below average, this team could miss a bowl game. Like, he's got to be really, really good for this team to do what we want them to do. Yeah, and, and, you, feel, you feel like – I mean – I, look, they've they've got some guys on the offensive side of the ball that I think you should feel confident. Yeah, I mean, like, about. but I mean, like, there's just so much. I mean, like, look, if Phil Longo was still here, I would sit here and say this offense is going to put up forty. They're going to put up four hundred fifty yards a game. They're going to do it. I don't know that. I just, I just don't. And, no, and, that, I mean that's the big un- Yeah, I mean it's a legitimate. It's so there's legitimate so much, issue. There's so much pressure on him. To carry the team, the program, all year long. And I think the thing is, is he's got enough poise and moxie to do it. But the best way to do it is to keep him confident and keep him comfortable. And, and he looked he looked that on Saturday. 
Hopefully that carries over into the fall, and then he walks out on that field against South Carolina in August. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's all gonna it's all gonna be up to his to his offensive line to help him out because I think he's I think he's got the running backs, I think he's got the receivers, he's got the tight ends. So. Well, he's also what separates him from other guys is he elevates the dudes around him. He makes guys around him better. Oh yeah. And that's what you got well, to do to be I, both a difference and, maker of that position. Both him and Sam, I feel like, have have done that in their time at Carolina. So, yeah, I, I I think now the question is is can can they get the blocking in front of them, and what is this what is this offensive scheme going to look like? Is there going to be a significant drop off without Phil Longo there, or are the pieces really in place? And and and, and it basically. Is this an offense that can kind of just run itself because they've got such a special quarterback? That's the thing that I think you're going to have to find out. So let's move on, you know, and and we're talking about this offense. This is actually a perfect transition to the things that we're confident about, the things that we're concerned about. And I think, you know, when you look at what we're confident in exiting spring practice, I think there are a few things. Most of them are on the offensive side of the ball, and it's it's not shocking. The defensive side of the football, there are so many question marks. As I said with the defensive line, it feels like it's honestly like this in the secondary too. It's kind of to the point where it is prove it to me, and then I'll start believing in you. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, with the offensive side of the ball, I think we talked about Walker and McCollum. I think the receiving core as a whole, you should be extremely confident in. The two transfers, I think, are going to make huge impacts. I would not be shocked if they were the top two receivers on this team. I mean, Devontae Walker, he, earlier in the week, Mac Brown compared him to De'Ami Brown, the type of player that he is, the impact that he can make. And here's the thing, Antoine Green did a really good job at times last year of being that deep threat, of beating guys over the top. But Devontae Walker has next-level speed. And I think part of what you saw with Drake May, look at the two guys that he was missing with those throws in the red zone, the two transfers. Once they get on the right page, I think they are going to be able to make some big plays, and he did. He made one to Devontae Walker earlier in the game. So I, I, I think there's reasons to be confident with those guys, but also the guys that, or incumbents to the room that were already there. I think Kobe Pesor, now how they're going to use him is going to be interesting. I think they'll play him some on the outside. They'll also use him at times in the slot. But we saw him start three games last year. He led the team in receiving all three times. He I, To me, there, there are no questions about him. I think he's going to make an impact wherever he lines up. And Gavin Blackwell has taken a step this year. You know, you saw him last year. He started early in the year when Carolina didn't have both Josh Downs and Antoine Green. And I thought, you know, he looked he looked pretty good at times when he had the ball thrown his way. You saw him sort of get phased out of the offense late in the season. But he's a guy that's grown this offseason. And Mac Brown says he's a part of that receiving room now. So right now, Max says they have four guys that are really solid contributors. And I think the top three are probably about as good as you're going to find in the ACC. And then there's even some depth there with guys like J.J. Jones, Andre Green Jr., the freshmen have flashed even a little bit, Christian Hamilton, Paul Billups. To me, I mean, that's probably the element of this team right now that I'm probably most confident in. Yeah, I mean, they've done a great job recruiting talent and depth to that position, and you've got multiple guys on the roster that can make a difference, and I think Carolina's going to need that. I, I think I think this offense is going to run at its best. I think there's going to be multiple guys on the field that defenses have to worry about and try to cover. Um, you know, too many times last year we just got too focused on getting the ball to Josh Downs, getting the ball to Antoine Green, and there's nothing wrong with that. Both those guys were – electric playmakers, but it made it easier down the stretch to really find, you know, if you could take one of those guys away, we weren't good enough to beat you in other areas. And I think that's why they went and got two transfers. I think that's why I've I've really pushed to get the tight end more involved in this offense and stuff like that. So 
Um, we we loved what, K- what 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 Pesor did all in the field last year. We were really high on Gavin Blackwell when he arrived. I think JJ Jones still has a lot of a uh, uh, talent upside that he he can bring to this team. So I think him not having to start will probably serve him a little bit better. Yeah. So you know I, I look at that that receiving core with the second best quarterback in the country, and I feel like we are in good hands. No doubt that we agreed on this one for sure. Tight ends is is probably my number two thing that I'm most confident in. Love I mean, a good tight end. They they bring back all three guys from last year. Nesbitt, best receiving season since Eric Ebron was here. I thought that both Kamari Morales and John Copenhaver did some really nice things in run-blocking situations. They're going to handle that again this year. But I also think that they do a good job of stepping up and becoming part of the receiving game when they need to. I thought both of them last year, especially Copenhaver, um, whenever they needed big plays, he would step up and make them. He didn't have a lot of catches, but every play felt important for him. And now you're getting that three-headed monster back. Now the depth there, a little concerning because they did, you know, they as of right now, the guy who was their fourth tight end, he has already entered the transfer portal, Jake Young, um, as a preferred walk-on. Probably feels like he can go somewhere else and maybe play a little bit of a bigger role sooner. Um, but the good news is they do have Julian Randolph, who was a three-star in this past class, that is coming in uh, and will join the team in the summer. So I, I think overall, especially with that that those three that are going to be playing major snaps for you, you, you should feel confident in that. Oh, game. yeah. I mean, and look, this is this is the next step for the, this offense, even though it's with the new play caller, is getting more consistent production from that spot. The biggest thing I think they got to identify or be able to do is if they, if Copenhagen or Morales are on the field, it felt like towards the end of last year, it felt like every time you got identified it was going to be a run play. They're, they're, they've got to be more involved in the passing game. That way, tendencies aren't being picked up. And if you see him on the, and especially if you see him on on on, on either side of the formation, they're going to say, "Well, that's going to be a run to that side of the field because they're a great blocking tight end." And so, you know, Nesbit uh, Nesbit is just a uh, he's a unicorn. You can do a lot of different things with him. You can split him out wide. You know, he can do a lot of different things for you. I like what Morales and Copenhaver offer you as possession-type underneath-route runners. Being that yep. guy on third and three just to run a simple out route or whatever, those types of things. I think if that if, if they can continue to emerge as pass catchers and make it that much harder to really predict and try to figure out what Carolina's doing on offense, that'll go a long way for this offense. So um, y- you know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about them in a glowing way because – well, they—I de- I mean, they deserve it. Oh, that—that yeah, that was the best room that they've had a tight end in. I mean, ten plus years. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I like what they've got. I like the the versatility of it. Let's, let's let's maximize it to the fullest potential, and I think it'll benefit this offense in the run game, in the pass game, and in the block game. Well, the thing that to me is has has just left me scratching my head at times is we've seen it each of the last two years. Kamari Morales is incredibly involved in the red zone early in the season. But as the year wears along, that that disappears. Now, part of that may be because your offensive line starts to break down and you need him as more of a blocker. But I feel like you, you have to find a way to keep him involved in what you do in the red zone because he, you know, became a guy that disappeared down the stretch of the season in the red zone. They didn't use him. And Carolina's efficiency in the red zone sort of dropped as well. Look, there's other guys that have to step up and be red zone threats as well. But when you have tight ends that you can throw the ball short to, it it, it makes a world of difference. Now, when it comes to the red zone, the thing that Carolina has to be able to do better is to run the football. And maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm a little crazy. The uh, the, the running game last year at times was solid. Early in the season, there there were times where it was actually pretty good. It sort of leveled itself out, was solid, would give you enough through for you know through the middle of the season. But then towards the end of the season, especially in the red zone, you saw that unit drop off a little bit. 
this year it's crucial that they can run the football a lot better than they did a year ago. They they need to be able to run the football to get this offense rolling. We've always said that. We said that about Phil Longo's offense. Well, Chip Lindsey's offense is even more dependent on the run game. And so I thought, you know, the other day they did some really good things. I love the backfield that they have. I love the three guys that they have right now that look like they are going to be the main uh, parts of that rotation with Elijah Green, Amari and Hampton, and British Brooks. And you've also got some pretty solid depth there. The offensive line, I thought it looked pretty good the other day in run-blocking situations. But again, this is Carolina's defensive line that they're going up against. So that's still a little bit of a question mark. I do feel pretty confident, though, about where this run game is heading out of spring practice and heading into the summer. The biggest question is what Mac Brown said that people have been saying about Carolina for the last few years since Javante Williams and Michael Carter left. They're a team that doesn't stick with the run game. This year, they, they have to change that mindset because I think the pieces are in place for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the room itself. I like the talent. I like the depth. I like the versatility. Um, But you, you've got to be able to finish runs, word on your opponent, stuff like that. And the biggest reason why Carolina didn't stick with the running game was how many games were they chasing points? Like, you just got to a point in the year where you felt like you had to get into the high 30s, low 40s. Well, but uh, yes, but... And the best way to do that is to, is to throw the ball with Drake May, Josh Downs, Antoine Green. Well, so, when you... Uh, but here's... The, when you're up 17 against Georgia Tech, you should not be still chasing points. Yeah, no. You should have been able to run the football consistently, and you didn't. You didn't towards the end of the year. So, like, the thing with the, the running game is I like the running backs... It's are you winning up front? Are you dominating, controlling the line of scrimmage? And then are you aware enough as a play caller to manage the game? That was probably Phil Longo's biggest issue as a play caller. Outside of the red zone struggles at times was his inability to manage the game the correct way. We know Lindsey wants to run the football. That's his M.O., so I feel like if Carolina's consistently winning at the line of scrimmage, I feel like they're going to be able to to run the ball the way you're gonna you're gonna you you want to run the ball uh, if if you want to win some of these games that you didn't win last year to end the season. Well, and, and I mean even early in the year, there were times. I mean, you look at some of the games that they ran the football incredibly well. A lot of them you had big running plays. Mm-hmm. There, there were the explosive plays that really made it look better on the stat sheet than it probably was. You need to consistently be able to win up front and pick up, you know, three, four yards consistently on carries. Not, hey, we're gonna pay, we're gonna have you know two plays that gain one yard on the ground and then hit a home run play on the ground. That's the thing that I think you want to see come along and. I mean, look, there were some times where it probably ends up being a short game the other day. They did hit one home run, but I thought overall you saw a little bit more consistency, and ultimately that's that's what Carolina needs. I think this offensive line, much better run-blocking offensive line than they are pass protection. Um, so I think that should, that should serve them well. And you've got a guy in Randy Clements who is used to coaching teams that want to run the football a lot. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, that's the thing that I'm, you know, the third thing that I'm most comfortable with. Outside, by the way, this is outside of Drake May. Like, Drake May is too obvious, I think, to be on this list. Yes. Because clearly he would be number one. Um, so... Yeah, I, the the other thing that I toyed with here between the running game, I I thought about corner, but I don't I, I maybe I'm scarred by what we've seen in recent years because we've seen guys like Tony Grimes, Storm Duck, those types of guys flash and then when they become full-time starters, 
it doesn't they, they're not really able to build off of that. I don't know that I mean I still feel r- pretty good about that room based off of what Mac Brown said in the spring. Yeah. So that was the other one that I thought about there. Now you move over to the concerns. Number one is real easy for me. It's clearly safeties. There are no answers back there at all. And part of that is because Will Hardy, Geo Biggers were banged up. But the other part of it is nobody has really stepped up. Like if there were if there were other guys that were just playing that well in that room, then they would ba- they would bypass these other guys on the depth chart. Or if Will Hardy was even dominating that much. Hey, he's limited, but he still is a guy that we that is a no-brainer to start for us. I, I, right now, the state of that that safety group is, I, I mean, I think it's as bad as it's ever been. And that's really saying something because the last, the last few years, that's a group that you haven't been able to be confident in. But it felt like at this point of the year, even last year when you had all those injuries, there was still a direction that it felt like these guys were going in. Right now, it doesn't feel like they have much of a direction there. Yeah, and it, it's, it's not... It's not a good thing if if you're openly questioning the safety valve of your defense, um, and, and it, it, for a defense, by the way, that the biggest that that the the mindset that Gene Shizik takes, and we saw this the first time that he was here, is keep everything in front of you and limit explosive plays. Yep. So you know, I don't know if you wrote this, these down from least concern or you know most concerning to least concerning. Uh, most concerning. I did say I literally said number one concern was safeties. Yes. Good job listening over there. You know, for me, it would still be the defensive line because if if if, if it's def- a close second. But here's okay. So here's the thing about the defensive line, right? The defensive line. The talent is there. There's guys that I could probably pick out and say, like, to me, with the defensive line as opposed to the safeties. And, again, I like Will Hardy. I think there's upside there. I'm hoping Jaquarius Conley can get back to being a guy that can be involved, but we haven't heard anything about him this offseason. If he was performing that well, you'd feel confident. The D-line, I mean, I've got – and I'm including the Jack – linebacker or the edge rusher position what ja- whatever you consider that jack spot in this conversation cuz i think Cayman Rucker i feel confident in Cayman Rucker the butcher i feel confident in Amari Gaynor coming in because Mac Brown has has talked a lot about him um i i like what i've saw what i've seen i should say from Javari Ritzy. i just, just want more i just want more consistency but i like what i've seen we know Miles Murphy is capable of it. It's just about stepping up and actually doing it. And I, I like the upside of Travis Shaw. I can list those guys off to you. There's also other guys, Kedrick Bingley-Jones, Bo Atkinson, guys that Mac Brown has talked about so far. When he talks about the safety spot, there's there's nothing. There's no names that he talks. He literally just talks about how he they – they have to find answers at that position. There's nobody that he talks about standing out, and that's that's why I'm more concerned about them right now. Here's the thing. Here's why I'll go defensive line. If the defensive line is what it was a year ago, it don't matter who's playing at safety. You could have Ed Reed and Troy Palomalu. They're still going to get beat. And- I mean, I get that, but I look, here's the thing. You could have a great defensive line. If you have a great defensive line, there are still times where quarterbacks are going to make plays against your defense. Yeah, that's going to happen. And if you're getting if you're getting beat over the top consistently or just getting just getting beat in the middle of the field like they have been over the last few years. I I mean, that that's those safeties Maybe his silence is his way of telling you without telling you they're going to go find those answers in the portal. Maybe those answers don't exist on the roster. Here's the thing, though. If they're going and finding guys in the portal, you're bringing guys in in the summer. They then have to get acclimated to your defensive scheme. Could work. Look, I'm not saying that they shouldn't explore that avenue, but you're still going to have guys that have to pick up on things really quickly it's a steep, steep learning curve, like none we've ever really seen before. And then you're going to expect them to go out there and start? 
Yeah, that's I mean, asking a lot, man. Uh, well, I just I feel like the talent is there in the defensive line room. It's just. And I also, this is the other reason I feel confident in them, and it, it's no offense to Charlton Warren, because I think, to me, Charlton Warren being the co-defensive coordinator too, maybe that's something where you should bring in another assistant. I, I don't, I don't know. With, um, Ted, I, I pronounced his name uh, wrong earlier. By by the way, uh, it, it is Ted Monachino. By the way, I get that mixed up every time. Um, with him there, I I feel like I feel a little bit more confident in that defensive line room than last year. That that's my thinking on that. Right. But I think both of I could say this. I think the top two because D clearly D line's number two for me. I think those two are far and away above everything else because because I think you know we talked about corner. Um. I have no I have no concerns about linebacker. I know Mac Brown is concerned about the depth there. He says we want to play more guys there. We've been hearing that since the minute that he got here. You play the same linebacking group, game in, game out. Your linebackers every year that you come in here are going to play at least 700 snaps. Yep. It's guaranteed. They haven't had that in the time that they were here, let's be honest, even during the Butch Davis era, they they had some guys that they could rotate in. But when they were at their best was when they had the three mainstay linebackers on the field at the same time. So if you've got that really strong core, you're going to keep those guys going. Um, kicking game, I think, is the other big concern. <laughs> because, and yeah. look, maybe I'm buying in too much to one missed kick, but... You missed a 33-yarder again the other day. Now, it happens. Not No kicker is going to be perfect, especially when you kick as often as they do in the spring. Yeah, but it was evident that when he kicked it, he was missing it. Yeah, and I mean, this is the th- this has been an Achilles heel. They, the Tar Heels are one of the worst teams in the country in terms of missed field goals these last few years. Yeah, they, they've literally been kicking themselves in the, in the butt after the way they've handled the kicking game at, at times, and... It's funny because that's been the one area that Mac Brown has been very uh, quick to make changes at, and it hasn't led to always the desired results. Um, I would love to say hopefully we're just kicking extra points and not field goals. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to make kicks. Every team in college football has to make kicks. We were faced with them down the stretch it, last year, and know, it, co- it cost you two games. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's got to be something that's got to be that's got to be resolved, man. Because I feel like you're going to be playing a lot of those types of games again, where you're probably needing a kick or two to to win a, win a game or something like that. And needless to say, right now if we're lining up to to kick a field goal. There's not a lot of confidence that it's going to go through the uprights. Yeah. The other thing that you brought up, really, just a mindset around the team overall, physicality. Yep. And that's that's something that still is a legitimate concern. Can this team actually shake off that that soft moniker that's around them? We'll we'll have to see. And I think we're going to know that pretty early in the season too, it feels like. Oh, yeah, especially with the schedule. So, yeah. Yeah, you're going to face some physical teams early on. You're going to face a South Carolina team that's going to be ready to kick you in the mouth. Coming off of what they did last year, there's expectations and hope back around that program, and you're not going up against Jake Bentley week one. You're going up against Spencer Rattler, who the last three games of the year last year looked as good as any quarterback in college football. So, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, they got to be prepared, and there's no excuses. You you can't say, well, we got worn down like you did at times late last year. That was something that. I think, you know, last year, a lot of people put that on the fact that there wasn't enough depth, which not an acceptable answer because they should have been developing depth this entire time. But starting the season shouldn't be an issue. So we'll we'll see. It's it's all about what this team does in fall camp and if Gene Chizik mainly, but also that the, the you know, Chip Lindsey, Randy Clements and what that offensive line, can they develop that physicality that is necessary? So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. And uh, I will tell you about the Toriel's 10th commitment of the 2024 class. 
a three-star tight end out of the state of New Jersey. Stick around for that on the other side of this break here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Back right after this. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber two for our recruiting analyst Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. The Tar Heels, they landed their 10th commitment of the 2024 class on Sunday afternoon in the form of three-star tight end Ryan Ward. He was on campus for the second time in the last few weeks, received his offer back in the middle of March, and now he has, or excuse me, late March, and now he has committed to Carolina uh, after a second visit there during Saturday's spring game. This is a big one. This is the first commitment for Freddie Kitchens as the team's tight end coach. Uh, He was the one that offered him, and now you know to be able to get him in here that quickly, uh, pretty telling and really good sign for Carolina that he has had success early. Uh, You've seen Randy Clements have a ton of success picking up guys early, and you're seeing, you know, some of the other guys, they're taking their time sort of finding the guys that they want. But to see some of the new guys, you know, Jason Jones still yet to get on the board at cornerback, although Carolina did pick up a lot of guys uh, there in this past cycle. But still, uh, you're seeing Carolina do some work here early on in those areas with new coaches. Um, When it comes to Ward himself, though, really interesting prospect here. Guy that's, you know, three-star, ranked, you know, inside of the top thousand, but still not a guy that's towards the top uh, end of uh, of the three-stars even. Um, but, you know, when you watch him, extremely athletic tight end. Guy that plays on the outside, basically plays as a receiver because of just how athletic he is. Has some really good speed for a guy that's going to play tight end. Um, And a guy that is twitchy off the line of scrimmage allows him to sort of create a little bit of separation. The other thing that allows him to create separation, really strong route runner. That's something that could be a real issue for linebackers, for safeties that are trying to stay with him in one-on-one coverage. You don't really see polished and refined route trees from tight ends, especially at the high school level. But because he's playing on the outside at wide receiver, you see him run some knob routes. You see him run stuff that most of your traditional tight ends are not going to be able to run or really not do so that fluidly. So that's something that's really, really encouraging and really makes him an intriguing guy. He has good adjustment to the football. We've seen, you know, if you turn on his tape, you see a couple of throws that are a little bit difficult, but he makes the adjustments that he needs to to be able to catch the football. Really good hands as well. If it's in the area near him, he's going to bring it in. I love the physicality after the catch as well. That that was something that really stood out. Um, you could see that he's a guy that, has you know the ability to run through some of the smaller defensive backs and even some linebackers as well. That's what you want to see from your tight ends. And when you combine that with the speed that he has, he could be a real issue once he catches the football. Uh, the biggest thing for him, he has work to do as a blocker. There's no questions about that. Uh, he's a guy, as I mentioned, he splits out to wide receiver almost exclusively. And with that, you see him in run-blocking situations at times, but the majority of that is done against corners, uh, guys that, you know, even at the high school level, um, extremely small. So now having to do that against ACC caliber, uh, you know, defensive ends, edge rushers, and even linebackers will be a tough task for him. That's the area that he's going to have to grow the most. That's why he's a little bit of a lower-rated prospect and why it will take some time for him to develop when he gets on campus. Also, you'll have to add to his frame as well. A little bit smaller player, but uh, still a guy that I think has a lot of upside for Carolina at the tight end position. This is Carolina's ninth 
three-star commit of the cycle. So out of the 10 guys that they have landed, nine of them are three-stars. That definitely has invoked a little bit of concern that Carolina is starting to uh, sort of lose the touch on the recruiting trail just a little bit. And look, that's certainly something that could be happening, especially on the offensive side of the ball where they lost Phil Longo uh, as their offensive coordinator. But I think the other part of it is Carolina is sort of strategically looking for guys that they think are going to fit what they want to do moving forward. We've talked about it, me and Zach, uh, on some of the other recruiting editions of the podcast that really they're they're looking for guys that they feel like they can develop because that's been one of the issues that they've had here in recent years. They can get the talent in there, but they're not able to develop those guys. Maybe they feel like this group of guys uh, sort of fits that developmental group a little bit better. Also, with the new coaches in there, they are going to be recruiting different guys. So that's something that you always have to take into account when it comes to what Carolina is doing on the recruiting trail right now. We got a full uh, article on the website breaking down even more in depth the commitment of Ryan Ward. So make sure that you guys go and check that out. Also, we'll have that a depth chart article up there for you guys. Again, it's my projections of what I think the depth chart would look like right now. I don't think that the depth chart uh, that Mac Brown was talking about, that the staff is putting together based on what they did in the spring, will be public. It doesn't seem like it will be. Um, but, you know, e- even if it is, uh, this is something that might give you a little bit of a look of, of what that unit might look like. Now, again, this is me sort of projecting So, you know, a little bit of an opinion in there, but uh, certainly I think an interesting read for you guys. And also, if you want to, you can go back and, of course, check out the takeaways from the spring game. Uh, There are a few in there. Uh, Definitely an interesting read as well for you guys to check out. Also, make sure that you're checking out everything going on on the basketball side of things. There seems like there is some buzz that this week there is going to be some transfer portal news. It's been rather quiet for Carolina since they landed Jalen Withers out of the transfer portal. But uh, this could be the week where we start to see Carolina bring in a guy or two uh, to try to sort of settle things down and continue to rebuild that roster. We'll have you covered no matter what happens on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. And when it comes to checking out the podcast, guys, we have a new podcasting host site. Uh, We are now actually on the podcasting site. Uh, We are hosted now by... The radio station that we work for, WFNZ here in Charlotte, they are now hosting us on Omni. So uh, if you are still looking for us on Megaphone, we are no longer there. We will tweet out the link to the Omni page, but uh, make sure that you're checking us out in the main spots, uh, both uh, the Heel Tough Blog podcast and the Four Corners podcast. Both have moved, but still on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Make sure when you do find it, you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Once again, want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tarius. want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.